to record another one? <laughs> yes. We don't have quite the view out of our little R-Pod as we did before. No, we're still in the R-Pod. We are. Because this is a great little recording studio. Yes. But we're staring at the side of our house and our brick chimney right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I get, I get the lawn equipment. So you get the oh. brick chimney, I get the lawn equipment. Please don't, ex please don't describe <laughs> it too much. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying it is it is not the uh, coastal view that we had <laughs> last time we recorded. Right, right. Yeah, the, I, I describe the side of our house and our brick chimney. You describe our... Lawn equipment. <laughs> it's just lawn equipment, honey. Oh, okay. I didn't describe how it's piled. <laughs> Got I it. just described what it was. Yeah, that's really good of you. So. <laughs> okay, so uh, so I, I'm gonna make us some drinks. Yeah. How's that sound? It sounds great. So and we kind of, this is a drink that's one of our favorites. I'm sure there's an official name for this, but we've named it ourselves. Yeah, and actually, Warrior Liquor here in Spokane um, liked our recipe, and they were going to put it on their summer menu last year, but yeah. we never went back in in this summer. In yeah. the summer, so we don't know if it actually made it on the menu. So. No, you're, you're correct. We didn't. Um, you're going to hear some noise and stuff now of me pulling some ice out and different stuff uh so this is a take on a gin and tonic um but we add some some cherry grenadine to it yeah and so and and what was the name you came up with uh a lover's quarrel lover's quarrel yeah yeah i, I really have no idea why it just kind of <laughs> popped out and stuck so <laughs> i uh, yeah this time we though we are using that other gin from the from portland um, yes. Which, what was this one called? I just remember it has a really cool bottle. Yeah. So here's the bottle. You can um, kind of describe it. It's, it's called Freeland like... Portland, Oregon. Oh, Freeland Spirits in Portland, Oregon. I know they do other um, other things besides gin, but um, but it's a good gin. And um, yeah, I usually figure and, out something cool to do with the bottles when I'm done. And it's like a, a teardrop, teardrop shaped. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll take a picture and put it on our Instagram page too because yeah, we'll hashtag them. Yeah, yeah, we'll hashtag them with yeah because we're a... super famous and they want us to um, they want their advertising on our you know podcast of two listeners, you and me. So yeah, we've uh, we've released two episodes now. <laughs> And they've blown up. We're world famous. Now. Oh my gosh. It's like crazy. Yeah. We can't keep up with it. Like we've had to hide our identities now. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, the paparazzi. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You're just so full of shit. <laughs> yeah, but come on. It's a little fun. Oh, right? Yeah. Okay. Once again, I'm, I'm pressing the lime here. Not peeing in the corner not, of the yeah, yeah, iPod. Yeah, this. I'm not in the corner of the <laughs> That is correct. Jess, you have a little cough today. I do. You're on um, some medication that's making yes. you. Oh, wait. Here we go. Okay. That's always... I always like that sound. Yeah. I uh, spent January... Or, uh, end of December, early January, um, doing a topical chemo treatment for my face um, for skin cancer. Yeah, go figure. My saga just goes on and on. <laughs> We're not going to really give that any time at all. No, but just to explain, <laughs> since the chemo treatment was done around the 1st of January, I had a reaction on my face to it, and it's just been an ongoing rash I've been battling ever since. And we are 
now in the first week of March and has still not gone. So they've yeah. got me on all kinds of different medications trying to suppress it. And it makes my throat really dried out. So I have been coughing a lot from from that. So so that's why the lover's <clears throat> quarrel is so important today. Yeah, I need to start drinking and like take care of my throat. That's right. Lubricate <laughs> your, your throat passages. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Okay. So they're really pretty. They are. They're they're very pretty. You gonna take a picture of it? I will once you. Once I bring it up, should I? You should take a picture like this, and then I mix it because it's like, like different colors going on right now. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Okay. Sweet. You don't get better podcasting than that. Than I know you get photos. Me taking photos. On the podcast. <laughs> wow. Nobody really we cares really know what, what we doing. drink. <laughs> well, we know what we're doing here, so. We're, we're podcasting professionals now. Yeah. Right? I, don't know. I think we're just professionally us, <laughs> and everyone has to reap the consequences of that. We're, we're us professionals. Okay. okay, here's cheers to okay, let the me next get seated here. chapter yes, this. Of, of this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that works. That's tasty. Yeah. Yeah, okay. a lover's quarrel. A lover's quarrel. Let's yeah, we won't be quarreling. The yeah. theme of the podcast, though. No, so we've uh, we've done these in uh, um, it, basically we've made this a three part series. So this will be the third part, and um, what we have uh, lovingly dubbed this, and your mom actually came up with this idea, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is uh, well, <laughs> I just blanked on it. All of a sudden, tell me the name of it. I just blanked <laughs> on it. Um, oh my gosh! I just did. <laughs> <laughs> we're really terrible. <laughs> uh, something about in your head or something. It's in. It's all in your head. It's all in your head. It's That's all. What it's all like... in your head. <laughs> that was so difficult. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I can't believe we actually just did that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I can't believe it. It's us. Um, so now you have an excuse. You've had two craniotomies, the second of which we're going to talk about today. The first of which we talked about last mm-hmm. episode. Um, I have no excuses. I mean, we've talked about my poor memory before, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. It, that's not related to anything. It's just, it's, it's just, just you <laughs> just have a ridiculously poor memory. So I have a coworker who tells me I really need to use, um, this uh, dual craniotomy is an excuse in my life more often. I've earned it, and I should use it as often as I can. Uh, you do use it all the time in our house. <laughs> well, when anybody Anytime, starts complaining yes. or, yeah. Or, every, you know, my, 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 yeah. or, or this, my stomach hurts, or this doesn't feel, or whatever. You're like, I've had two craniotomies. <laughs> and we're all like, yes, yes, we'll shut up. <laughs> Right now, I coughed. Um, yeah, we'll shut up. We know we know not to go into that battle with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the uh, um, the last episode <laughs> um, that we actually haven't released yet. Um, oh, we haven't released it as of this. Recording. By the time this comes out, of course it will. Okay, <laughs> better have her. You're getting fired. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, I am <laughs> not very smart either. This might, this might be the first Who had one. the craniotomy? <laughs> Who needs one? Right. No, it's Labot. No, it's not that either. That would make it worse. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 
we, this might be the first one we edit. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're only a few, so it's not that big a deal. Um, so, um, okay, but yeah, I'm thinking that because I'm, I'm literally just, uh, before we came down here to record this one, I was mixing that one upstairs and getting it ready to publish, but, um, we had kind of left off with you, um, you coming out of your first craniotomy and everything that led up to <laughs> mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And, um, <clears throat> and, you know, some of the things that, you know, that were good that had happened, like you were, like your eye was able to open and blink, you had tears, um, which is huge. a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're talking tears from your tear ducts, not crying tears. Um, although you had those too. <laughs> um, and then, uh, um, and then the, you know, watching TV and the two TVs, one. Yeah, because you had, you know, you had split vision and yeah. some double vision. Um, and so those were all huge, miraculous kinds of things that we were yeah. seeing happen already. <clears throat> I kept alluding to that um, we were going to, you know, we needed to wait and talk about the next stage of everything because it needed its own yeah. conversation. And you came to me and you were like, Wait, what was it? That... <laughs> uh, there's just been so much that has happened, and yeah, and I know different parts of this story have impacted us both very differently. Yeah, um, there are things that stand out to me, like time froze, and um, for for me, yes. that were an experience I had in it, and you have the same thing, and so yeah, I came to you and I was like, what exactly were you referring to? Because right, you know, my mind goes a mile a minute to the things that I have the free freeze frames on, so. Um, so yeah, I, I'm gonna let you start that because I because this was something you reminded me of this morning that yeah, I, well and so you know when I kind of take over from that part of the two TVs becoming one, there's a there's a couple of things that sounds the, like a new religion that and the two, the two TVs, TVs shall became, be one. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's a cult I could be a part of. <laughs> Ooh, we could lead that cult. <laughs> I think I'm the founder. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, that'll you know be the next podcast. <laughs> but it will be a YouTube video with strobing lights. <laughs> um, yeah, that yeah. was really dumb. I'm sorry. Okay. Anyway, back to back to what we were talking about. Just so, take another drink, honey, and then oh, get back you. on track. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, so, one of the things that we have talked about is that um you went into your craniotomy like we knew this was going to happen you were becoming you were going blind you had at this point you had quit your orthodontist job because you couldn't see in people's mouths anymore you mm -hmm. know because you're you were blind in one eye really mm -hmm. you lost depth perception all that kind of stuff you just couldn't do the job anymore um and you had gone back to work with me and so we were again working together, mm -hmm. and um, and so you um, you go you know and that's where you were working when you went into your first Surgery. craniotomy yeah. yeah, and so you go into that craniotomy, and we spend a week in the hospital, mm -hmm. and then we come out of that, and there was about a week at home. Oh. A week not working at home. So two weeks of not working, um, basically because I had used my vacation time and your vacation, the rest of your vacation time. 
to get through that two weeks. And, and, um, and like a lot of people, you know, we tend to live paycheck to paycheck. Right. And so we were a little concerned about that and we went <clears throat> right back into work again. I did. I was fortunate enough to be able to work from home. Um, this was part of, um, how I was able to make this possible. Um, and so I could, um, I could pretty much cover one eye and do some work. So I was work, I think that first week back, I might've worked, you know, about 15 to 20 hours, um, in the week doing, um, yeah. things remotely from home, from my computer. And, and looking back on that now, I, it, it, I was think it was so a, ridiculous. It was a, it was a bad decision on my part. And I know, on well, on, part, I mean, I get, I, uh, you know, um, I'm wired a certain way, so I know that this is where I need to go, but I was also wired, or I, I was also very aware of what we were walking into financially with these surgeries, and um, any time off without pay was going to be um, not good, uh, you know. Um, so, and I just thought working not, from home, I could, I could handle it. Um, not only that. That's just how we did shit. Mm -hmm. We have always been that way. Yeah. Um, at this point, um, it was a couple years ago, so we had been married 23 years, I think. Yeah, that's right. Um, and at this point, that had been our 23 years. Yeah. Is we had just gone, 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 driven, 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 uh, you know, accomplish, accomplish, do, do, work, mm -hmm. work. I mean, it was like just... Always, that was that. We had one speed, and it was full blast. Yeah, um, and I and I also think there's a part of it too. Um, we were deeply entrenched in um, the running community and triathlon community, and so for me, there was this sense that I needed to be able to bounce back to that as quickly as yeah. I could and kind of prove to myself that this wasn't going to hold me back. You had already written your comeback story, like in my head. Yeah, that's what was keeping you going in mm -hmm. a sense is mm -hmm. that you you were going to be an overcomer yeah and so in fact um as soon as um i was able to when we got home um you were going for walks with me um and i was really trying to even even though i couldn't see yet i i wanted to get i wanted to keep moving right. um and we were having these miraculous kinds of uh your progress I mean, progress yeah yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah. Where you were seeing, your eye was opening, um, your eye was tracking more and more mm -hmm. every day. You would send me pictures and say, hey, yeah. look how much my eye is turning this time. Um, you, you know, again, you were seeing double vision and then you were watching TV and all of a sudden you were watching one TV. You were able to bring that vision mm -hmm. back together. I mean, these were all incredible things. And so we were just rolling with it. Well, and I think, too, um, there, I, I was on some crazy pain meds. Um, like some of them, depending on which ones, which surgery it was, were causing me to have hallucinations, um, all kinds mm -hmm. of, um, you know, side effects. Um, and, um, I think I needed something to keep me going outside of that as well and right. to get off of the pain meds as quick as possible. Um, the other, um, I don't do very good sitting and just sitting space yeah. you know I'm I don't rest well and I don't um I it's it's really crazy because I look back on that time and right now at this space in my life I would give anything to just come home from the hospital and sit on the couch right. for a week right. <laughs> like there's a part of that where I'm going Jess you just need to rest now and 
um, and realizing that that was quite a space, but I think there was a tremendous amount of energy going on in my body to, to heal all kinds of quirks and weird things that I was getting used to. And I, I think I just, you know, from previous surgeries in life and injuries, things like that, you just, you keep moving forward. You keep doing the next thing and you will work it out, right? Um, if you're tired, you keep exercising so that you get over that hurdle of being tired. You know, like there was these, these uh, methods that mm-hmm. I had so deeply ingrained in my head that were moving me forward. Mm-hmm. Part of that is a good thing. There's motivation to, to not sit in the craziness of the situation. At the, on the other hand, it was, um, I think it was, I was pushing myself forward too fast. Um, and I remember that, <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, that first trip out of the house with me, we went to Home Depot so that you could grab oh, a, a part right. to something. And yeah. I was like, I'm just going to go with you. I, I need to do this. I need to just get out. But Casey, my face was look like you I had been like in a bar had, fight. You like, look like you had the shit beat out of you. Yeah. Yeah. People and, were staring. People and were, yeah. I could I really couldn't see at that point. The double vision was really extreme. My eye just wouldn't track at all. And I remember I had to literally like hold onto your arm um just to it was almost easier for me to walk with my eyes closed than with my eyes open. And so I was walking around like holding on to you kind of huddled into you at this face that was looked like it was beat up and people were staring at us like um I know I scared a child like they walked up around a corner and they just kind of jumped back and but I think it was the the grown-ups that really <laughs> um took me off guard and I thought oh my gosh they're gonna think that you just beat the shit out of me at home like and I'm this cowering woman holding onto your arm like it was such a uh, <laughs> memorable experience but I came home utterly exhausted like all of the sounds and the lights and the yeah, every time somebody would come around a corner you would jump. Like, grab onto me yeah, yeah. it was yeah. uh it was the craziest um feeling to be so oversensitized like um it was more more information coming in than my brain had the capacity to process in this phase of the healing yeah and um and i think it was days before i went out beyond my you yeah. know uh, street here for a walk um, just not being around people and stuff. And, um, we even went to a wedding later, um, in, I think it was in August. Mm-hmm. And I just remember just needing to have a corner, needing to be off away from people. Um, it, it's too, it was too much to have conversations right. like right. that. That whole part was such a process. So you take the physical thing, like my, what my eye was doing, what my, the healing process in that regard was doing, but then there's this whole like social and emotional and, and, and all over body process that was happening at the same time. And so we had these competing things that were going on. We had these incredible kinds of um, uh, like recoveries that we were seeing with mm-hmm. you. Like your eye was recovering much better than we ever expected. And we had these these other effects that no one had prepared you for. Um, and, um, and, or at least in very general terms. Yeah. But the overstimulus, the, you know, the, where you couldn't, like, it would just exhaust you if you had too much going on Mm -hmm. around you, um, all that kind of stuff. But, um, but one of the things that, um, was like this 
powerful kind of moment for us was when you know we were back in Dr. Michael's office for a checkup, and every time you'd go in, they would test your vision. They would test they, it, yeah, visually. What could I see? And they would do this little book, the color book. Yeah, <laughs> the color it, book. Um, where they would test whether or not I had any. Um, color vision. And I said I said something wrong last time I realized as I was kind of re-listening to to what we talked about. I said that um, that the optic nerves generally don't heal themselves. I, I, that was actually wrong. What I as I'm thinking about it, yours your optic nerve had been so damaged that Doctor mm-hmm. Michaels didn't expect it to, to heal. heal. Yeah, he didn't expect it to recover ba- from the damage that had happened to it. Basically, it's not that they yeah. don't heal on their own, but basically, it had had the tumor had cut off the blood supply for such a long, uh, right. for such a significant amount of time, unknown to us how much time, but from the looks of the nerve, that they didn't expect that it would come, the nerve would be alive right. to receive blood flow again. So the the entire purpose of the surgery was one to save your eye, mm-hmm. and two to save as much of your vision as they could, mm-hmm. right? So we go in to Dr. Michael's office. His assistant does the eye chart with you and then the color chart with you. Uh, I Okay, I think, I don't remember if this was the same visit, but I want to preface this okay. because the, if it was the same visit or if it was two different ones, I was still under um, pain meds at this time, so things okay. are a bit foggy. But there was one visit where I remember going in and um, sitting in in the room and the sensory overload was just really intense. It might've been like a two or three week post-op visit. And I remember him coming in and him saying, I'm, I'm really not sure, you know, after he, he hadn't seen me yet. He didn't know where my progress was. And he said that he'd been doing all this research after post-surgery and he was starting to wonder after all of our emails and texting um, if we'd done the right thing because the double oh, vision, remember that? Yeah. The double vision was so significant. And he said, I've been calling around and I haven't found a case that has been successful in restoring vision. Um, and this was a huge, this, this goes a huge to the moment re- of vulnerability. Yeah. This goes to the relationship that we had cultivated with Dr. Mm-hmm. Michaels. Cause a doctor doesn't just admit that they might've encouraged us to do something wrong, you know? Um, and it's not that he was doing that necessarily, but he was having doubts. And, and you certainly as a doctor, you don't express doubts, I don't think. I, I don't know. I, I think we were um, on such uncharted territory yeah. anyway. But he was, I just remember that moment very significantly because you and I had had this conversation that depending, if this double vision never goes away, is this actually worse than losing my eye? Right. You know, would it have been better to lose my eye and have mono, you know, one vision and one eye vision or for the rest of my life battle this double vision? Because this was, this was so hard, so hard. Yeah. Um, I wasn't nauseous. I wasn't sick or dizzy. It was just, um, like, it's like you just can never grasp reality. Right. You don't know what you're seeing. Um, and so... At that time, he, I think that was before I, that had to be before I got any of that. I mean, because that was only a couple of weeks post-op. Yes, and then it was, and then the double vision started to rectify itself. Yeah, because that, I think it was, that a, was good a big three deal. months before yeah. we, before I was out of right. the double vision. But then, but then we go into this 
appointment. Yeah. So they were two different, is what you're oh, saying? Oh, they're very, they were they were two, two different. different. You had okay. already had your your vision had already come together by this point. We were we were really happy with that. Okay. And so um, so they test your vision, and she goes through all that, and and, and I remember she book. keeps like she keeps asking you to read lines, and you would keep reading smaller and smaller lines and I would just like look at the assistant and she would look at me kind of like we were exchanging glances in this you know and, 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 to, and to preface prior to the surgery that really big line where you see it's kind of a three page you see the E at the top yeah. and then you see the next line has like three letters and then the next line has like five letters um, I couldn't read the five Correct. going into yeah. surgery so this this is how bad my vision yeah. was. So you keep reading now, smaller and smaller and smaller lines. So she says, "Okay, I'm gonna go get Dr. And, Carlson and, and the color book." Okay, yeah, because that was right. that was significant in that moment too. Because she had me go through the color book, and I and I had not been able to read anything in the color book right. up to that point. There are numbers that are kind of hidden in those images. So she goes out and gets Dr. Carlson. He comes back in, and the first thing he says is. I don't think she did this right. We're going to do it again. And he takes you through the eye chart again. Mm -hmm. And he takes you through the color book again. And he says, I, I don't get this. I only missed, I think, two pages in the color book. And um, my vision was reading um, 2025 at that time. 2030 yeah. or 2025. Where it had been 2250 yes, prior like to that. Yes, like legally blind. Mm-hmm. In that eye, and it it had recovered that much. You were seeing better in your broken eye <laughs> than you were seeing in your quote unquote good, good eye. eye. Yeah, um, it was unbelievable. I remember he just kind of sat there and he just like he had to take like it he in. was emotional almost. Yeah. yeah, and so and then he and then he talks about the significance of the color book. He says because color is the first thing to go when there's eye damage. And, um, and he says, so that you have had, I mean, not only are you seeing well, but you have the full color spectrum back uh, minus like two things. Mm -hmm. Mine isn't even near that. I, I have a lot more, you know, color blindness than you do now. Um, and it was just this, again, he said, I, I don't know what to call this other than he says, it's, this is like a miracle. And, and this wasn't a religious conversation. I don't even know if, if he is religious. It was just that he couldn't explain the the results that we were having. Mm -hmm. So went in with a twofold purpose of the, the surgery, to save your eyeball mm -hmm. and to to save whatever amount of vision was remaining at that point in time. We came out and you had made, for all intents and purposes, a full recovery. The only thing... And regarding your eye, there's other things too. We'll get to that in a second. But the only thing regarding your eye is that your your pupil was either mm -hmm. slow or it was just not responding at all to light. And well, so there's this interesting thing between the two eyes, the relationship they have with each other, and that they they have to be able to communicate with each other in the in the parameters of uh, the pupil. So when there's when it's really bright lights, both of them have to. Um, have to get smaller when it's really dark they both have to get uh, bigger at the same time right right so my right eye my good eye um was still responding as it should everything was reacting the way it should my left eye um the pupil was very random 
sometimes it looked like my whole eye was just pupil. You couldn't see any blue. Right. Um, other times it was really like pin small. Right. So my eyes looked really odd um, next to each other. Um, I have I had to start remembering to tell physicians, oh yes, I have a problem with my eye. I'm not <laughs> like I'm not having a brain injury right now in the moment. <laughs> like right. I had this happen. And so um, this was one of those where there was kind of mixed thought as to whether or not this would heal itself over time or not. Um, but I look at you now and it's like your eyes track perfectly together. Um, they blink perfectly together. Like there's there's no, um, you know, your, and your pupils are slightly different sized mm-hmm. right now. And so. And, and it's kind of more now, it's just more random. Yeah. Like sometimes it'll react. But there's no rhyme or reason. Right. So they really call it, they really say it's not reactive. Right. Um, because there's no consistency to it. So this all just fueled our um, our drive it forward kind of <laughs> mm-hmm. lifestyle. Because we're like, well, look at you. You're making a full recovery. We're just going to keep on going. And mm-hmm. let's, let's take our life back. Let's write the, re- let's write the comeback story now. And again, like I said, we were already yeah. kind of planning in our heads. You're going to accomplish this. You're going to do that. You're going to you're going to be on a podium somewhere telling your story how you came back from a craniotomy just just a year ago, and now look at me, you know, doing triathlon yeah. and all that kind of yeah. shit, right? So, um, so we just kept pushing. And I was I, the thing I needed to get back to in the fall. This was in July. The thing I wanted to get back to in the fall was coaching our beginner 5K right. running program. And, um, and they had journeyed with me all the way through to the summer, um, before I went into surgery. And so I was really wanting to be able to come back to that in the fall. And, um, so I did on little limited basis at work. This was one of the things I would come in for work for. Um, and even if I wasn't, you know, all the way there to run, I was doing partial runs. I was, you know, out there with them and. And so what you started to notice is that you'd go out and run <clears throat> and there was this other effect that was mm-hmm. that was beginning to happen. And I'll let you describe that. Yeah, I just started noticing, um, you know, as I would run, um, I had my, you know, I had single vision, you know, no more double vision. Um, but I would, the longer I was out there the more I felt like my vision was bouncing. Like I just couldn't, like everything was bouncing with the rhythm of me bouncing, you know, in the run. And, um, and at first you kind of thought that maybe your eye was just almost loose. Yeah. Like you'd take a step and it would jar your eye. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of, this is kind of odd. So I started testing things, putting, you know, running with a patch. And when I ran with a patch, I wasn't bouncing. So I knew it was something related to the eye I'd had surgery on. But I couldn't quite figure out what it was. And I made but that was like making you nauseous almost. Like that was, part was making yeah. me nauseous. And so I was finding that I just couldn't, I couldn't finish running no matter how much the rest right. of me wanted to, to run. Um, and so, and I was afraid I was going to be back in this tripping thing because I'd fallen so many times prior to surgery right. when trying to run. So um, I uh, talked to Dr. Michaels again and I just said this weird thing's happening um, I and he and he explained something that we didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you your eye sits inside an ocular cone. If it's normal. Yes. After the surgery, I basically had like a 
a half cone or maybe a little more than half, but the top half of the cone was removed to access the tumor. Well, that is like a paper thin bone and um, it can't be put back together. But it separates the, the ocular cavity, cavity from the, from brain, the cavity. brain cavity. Right. Right. So, um, and again, that artery runs right above your above, eye right there. Right. So what I started noticing after lots of questions and kind of trial and error was that as soon as I was, I was, for the most part, I was fine when I was walking. It happened when I would run. So at first I thought it was the shock of bouncing when I would run. But then I started realizing that this was in, I had, um, uh, my watch was a heart rate monitor and I started realizing the cor correlation between my heart rate and the bouncing and that it was an actual rhythm, that it was, it was actually bouncing to the same rate as my heart rate. And, and so when Dr. Michaels told us that they hadn't, they, that they removed that top part of your ocular cone, mm -hmm. but, and they didn't put anything back No, and there. they had actually contemplated that during surgery, whether that was going to be necessary. And they, but there was some, and, there was some like tricky thing about putting something back there. Yeah. And, and to kind of fast forward before we kind of tell that little story, he had said that had he, had he put something in there. Um, this is much later now. Mm -hmm. Had he put something in there the way that they traditionally do, it still would have been the same issue because of how they placed it in there. So we'll, yeah. Yeah, it, it, I know. It's, so it's, it's, it's actually a good thing they didn't do it. It's a, it was the right thing not to do it, but they took a chance um, and a, the probabilities were in their favor that this particular situation would not occur. But of course it did. But of course it did because it's me. Um. <laughs> and, and basically what was going on is that every time when you would raise your heart rate, then that artery that runs in the, you know, over your eye there and, and around mm -hmm. your brain cavity would, I mean, would pulsate Pulse. as it's, you it's know, to. pumping blood, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it would pulse down into your it, ocular cavity. Well, it was, it was pulsating near the optic nerve. And so every time the optic nerve felt that pulse, it was causing a vibration in my eye. So basically I, my eye was Crazy. pulsating to my Crazy. heart rate. So, yeah. um, I'm like, well, I can't walk the rest of my life. I really, I mean, this was partly my job. This was my, right. what I love to do. And, um, and I was like, well, th that leaves me like nothing to do past a, you know, a walking pace. And even at that, you know, go upstairs and your heart rate elevates and it starts to do it. So yeah. it, this was becoming a, a really like life altering thing. Everything was working great. And then this was I a, have a pulsating eye, and this was a a decidedly quality of, of life, life question, and that's what that's what we started referring to it to, and Dr. Michaels <laughs> did, and then later when we talked with um, um, Dr. Carlson, Dr. Carlson, same thing. It was a quality of life issue mm -hmm. that we had gone all this distance and had all this recovery with your eye, yeah. still for you to be very limited in in what you could do. Um, and yeah, so, and like we had said earlier, the very first time that we met Dr. Michaels, his big concern was that I was young enough that um, we were making decisions for my quality of life, how I was going to mm -hmm. live, live the rest of my life, right. and um, you know, so uh, this was this is very troublesome because the only way to fix this. Um, there was one fix. The only way to do it was the second craniotomy. Well, and that's, and, and, you know, just kind of backing up a little bit before we realized that that's what it was going to take. 
um, Dr. Michaels wanted us to talk to Dr. Carlson again mm-hmm. um, because this was more his domain. Yeah. And so we went and, and talked to Dr. Carlson again and again in, in Dr. Carlson's <laughs> way. <laughs> he was like, guy. well, we could always just cut you open again and then I could, you know, put a new plate in there, you know, and he was saying it kind of like, it'd be kind of ridiculous for you to go through another craniotomy for this kind of thing. And, and as we sat there and kind of talked it out with him and talked about the limitations that you were facing and all that kind of stuff, all of a sudden it changed with him. And at one point he says, you know what? I think we just need to do this. How about we just book it? And we were like, wait a second. You're talking about another <laughs> yeah. craniotomy, you know? And um, I think this was, um, this was in November of 2018 and we had just obviously met all of our deductibles and and then uh, it became a a big question of that can we fit it into this year well it was twofold it was a financial decision and scheduling decision because um can we fit it in before the end of the year and i literally just said to dr carlson he goes okay if we're going to do this i said i need to do it before the end of the year yeah and he's like well i don't have room in my schedule for that and i said i can't afford another craniotomy like i I met all of my yeah, deductibles. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know how to do this. And um, and then the other question on the table was a question of there is, a, there is a window in which from one craniotomy to the next where they do not go back in because of what, where they're at in the healing process, right. scar tissue, all of that. And then if you wait too long, you have another issue on right, the other end. Right. So there was going to be a sweet spot in which could we do this before the end of the year to satisfy my financial desires and um, was it um, feasible with the healing where I was in the healing process Um, and so we he says well I'll see what I can do Um, and by the time we left the office he had rearranged his schedule so that I could get in in at the end of December right before the end of the year but we still so we went ahead and booked it but I needed to talk to Dr. Michaels right? Um, because I, he, we had just had this miracle. Yes. Like I didn't want, pardon my French, I did not want to fuck up the miracle. Right. Because I had gone through all of this. Yeah. I had to decide if a yeah. bouncing eye was worth possibly losing everything that we had already yes. done. The tumor was gone, so that wasn't an issue. But all the intricate work that Dr. Michaels had done on the nerve repair, it was like, I I didn't know how to make this decision. This was almost a harder decision than the first one. The first one was, I have a tumor in my head and I got to get it out. This is the only way to do it. I'm scared out of my mind, but I don't really have a choice. This one, I had a choice. And that became really yes. hard because I, this time, I knew what was ahead. Right. I knew what it would take to heal. I knew, I, I had gotten so much back, so now I really did have something to risk before. I might not see, but I already didn't see, you know? my busiest time of the year 
um, and getting ready to launch our 2019 programs and um, I'm like this is the worst possible timing ever the summer was better timing I had planned it and sure. so there was just so many things in this decision that were far more emotional um, to making it and I remember you you were especially I would use the word scared um, because you'd already been through the waiting room once before and um, and I I think you wanted um, you wanted me to do what I wanted to do but you wanted us to walk away from this you didn't want to go want us to go through this again and so um, it was really hard because I realized in that moment that as much as this affected you ultimately this was a decision I had to make for me um, I had to decide how I wanted to live yeah and what I was willing to risk for that um, was this a selfish request of myself or was this appropriate um, for my quality of life right So, after some more conversations, one of the things that Dr. <laughs> Michaels did to help us through this process... I cornered him, I think. Yeah. Is he said, he said, I just, I, I just finally asked him, like, I don't know what to do. I yeah. need you to tell me what to do. Yeah. And this was the one time where I had asked him, just tell me what to do. And he, and he said, you know what? He says... In order to rebuild that that um, missed bone, that cone mm -hmm. between your your ocular cone <laughs> and your brain, he goes. Doctor Carlson won't actually be in your optic cone. He won't. He shouldn't even come near your optic nerve. He said so. He doesn't. He goes. I don't think you're running any additional risk on your eye. And he says, I think that you're you're facing enough restriction in your quality of life. He said, we came this far. He goes, if it were me, I would do it. And we said, okay. Okay. And so back in you went. <laughs> yeah. Whew. Yeah. So I think this was like December 17th of 2019, or 2018, sorry. Um, so it was right before Christmas, and I had, I did not look normal yet, but I was starting to yeah. feel more normal. Yeah. So um, uh, at this point in time prior to the surgery, um, everything behind the incision on my scalp. I have an incision from one ear to the other. I call it my rainbow. It just goes right one side to the other. And uh, it, everything behind that on my scalp is numb. 
have a numbskull. Um, <laughs> um, I never say that. You know, I do. I, I, if we can't laugh about this stuff, what do we do, right? Um, but a, it's a, it's a very, it's not entirely numb. It's like all this nerve communication is happening. It's like vibrating yeah. nerves. And um, sometimes I just want to claw my scalp because it's just so active. And yet I can't feel my scalp. So if I were to claw my scalp, I could probably claw right through and hurt myself. Yeah. Um, but um, I just, I did, the thought of that being permanent by a second surgery, it just didn't, you know, like all the, you start to weigh out all the things that could be possible that, you know, I've gotten, I'm kind of getting yeah. used to this and how to manage this. But if, if I have to live with this the rest of my life, boy, what is that going to be like, you know? Um, I made the dumb mistake of Googling it one time. <laughs> and everybody's from, oh, it lasted a week to it never goes away. And I've had this my whole life. So, you know, I stopped Googling stuff. But, um, but we made the decision to go yeah. through with it. And we, and we decided that... Um, that it was worth it, and we decided that the the risk <laughs> was manageable, mm -hmm. and, um, and and so, they could get me in before the end of the year. Yeah. So yeah, and so I like, had a buy one get one free craniotomy. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I told Doctor Carlson that one day, and he just he looked at me like, "Are you sick?" <laughs> I'm like, "Come on, dude." Bogos on craniotomies. <laughs> So you uh, you go through and and we wheel you into the operating room again. It was no less traumatic for me. It was no you know no less traumatic for you um, or our girls. It was still we knew you were still going in for brain surgery. Um, the one thing that was really odd though is that I went in without Doctor Michaels. Yeah, because he had nothing to do with yeah. this one. And yeah. he was my honestly my security blanket up yeah. until this point. So it felt very. Strange. To he not did have come him. by and see you. Yeah, he did afterwards. And we, yeah. And we asked him if he would just go in to check on Oh, he, and, and he came he before like, and after, yeah. And he said no. He goes, <laughs> This isn't mine. And he says and, and he goes, quite honestly, I would just get in the way on this one. And so I literally um, I think I just wanted him to go in there and just stand next to me. Like <laughs> right, it was all good. He was right. my good luck charm. I don't know. Right. I, but yeah. And so um that surgery, you know, another story took way longer than they told us it would freaked me out uh, because know. what he did um, though yes yes <laughs> he he actually stood in there in the operating room and molded and created a titanium cone for me specifically for me these things don't just like order them online and get them in no he was taking titanium and bending it and molding it, it and cutting it down and for like reforming mm -hmm. your missing skull yeah he is a genius. genius and so um so you come out of that surgery and again <laughs> yeah you go i mean a little over a week two weeks and you're back to work again i went back to work a week later part-time from home um so i was uh yeah um the interesting thing, though, was that my recovery in the hospital was so much faster. Um, I remember waking up and I was happy. I wasn't sick. I wasn't like yes. everything was really different, um, unexpectedly different. 
And um, I remember Dr. Michaels walking into the ICU and um, to check on me. And I could talk to him that time. And yeah. I was like, I can see you. I can yeah, see you. Yeah, I was yeah, like so excited. Was checking was, everything. Yeah, nothing had. Yeah. yeah. And just the fact that I had brain function, you know, all of that. I, I was so nervous that they were just going to keep cutting away at my brain. Right. Um, which they kind of did. I mean, like he talked about the scar tissue, like how much he had to remove off, remove that scar tissue to get yeah. to this. And yeah. It, ugh. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> sometimes you have too much information. So we, we come out of that and, and again, your recovery was less. And so, and again, we, again, pedal to the metal. This is what we do. Yeah. And so we just I floored it again. I vacation time at that point. Yeah, for but that we surgery. just floored it again. And you went right into trying to run again. You went right into, I mean, like all of those kinds yeah. of things. And 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 now it, the the procedure had worked. You weren't getting any of the pulsing in your eye. So mm-hmm. it was like, well, you're back to normal now. Mm-hmm. And that's what you said. I'm back to normal. Let's just do this. Yeah. And so you went out and you tried... And you tried running and you were going to, you were actually going to train yourself back into shape again. Yeah. And something completely unexpected happened where you were, you're, you were like, you know, you started telling, you know, telling me that your calves felt like they were going to pop. Yeah. Like they were so tight and your calves. Yeah. It was the craziest thing because I, working with beginner runners, um, uh, shin splints is one of those things that people have all the time when they start running. And, um, and I have, you know, have this, you know, these answers for them and how to work it out yeah. and what to do. And I had, I thought, okay, I'm we going to treat all the things. Yeah. I'm going to treat myself like a beginner runner after recovery and I'm, I'm going to get myself back, but this was not working. And then I started noticing that on the side of my right calf, um, kind of on the front part of my calf, there was um, swelling, and I'm like, and your what the heck? your calves were like real lumpy too, like you had lumps, lumps up everywhere. and down your, yeah. yeah, and um, and I was like, this is like, I mean, it hadn't been that long. Like I had been running between the two right. surgeries. It wasn't like I had just stopped altogether. I'd been running all the way up until yep. my surgery. I had gained weight from all the prednisone and medications and stuff, but. It wasn't. But like, we were taking like a, a slow coming back right. into it and all that kind and of I stuff just, too. And I just I did not understand why I kept hitting you know why I hit this wall and um, one day I kept working through it and working through it. Finally, I just absolutely could not run with my grips anymore. And it was um, painful. It was too painful. Um, and and every time I did notice every time I ran, it would be like three days of like utter complete exhaustion. Before I could feel like I could run again. So I was doing like the minimal runs that I had to to keep up with the the coaching. And I'm just like, I feel like I'm going backwards. I don't feel like I'm moving forward. Like I, sh- I know that if you start to learn to run and you add to it and you do slow increments, you you will feel tired, but you will also start to gain some energy and you'll start to have yeah. this forward propulsion. And that wasn't happening. It was actually kind of going the reverse. And um. So I had had a runner who had um, an injury that was starting to like, you know, jingle around in my head a little bit from last summer, from the previous summer. And I thought, this is starting, my explanation is starting to sound like her explanation. Well, she had had compartment syndrome and ended up having surgery for that. And compartment syndrome is where the, the muscle tissue swells faster than the fascia can handle. 
And so the fascia being like the net that holds the muscle together. And so it begins to press through the fascia. Kind of like herniate through the yeah. fascia. And it can actually like cut off blood supply to the muscle tissue mm -hmm. and it can actually like kill it. Cause necrosis. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so it's a serious thing. It is. And I'm, and I had vowed to myself at leaving 2018, 2019 will be my year of no surgeries because prior to mm -hmm. that I'd had one in 2016, one in 2017. And then in 2018 I had two craniotomies. And this, so, and this person that you were referring to, you went and talked with her and she said, oh yeah, they went in and they cut my fascia. Yeah. And, and she goes, and, and now I just feel wonderful. Right. And you were like, another surgery? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know? And then on the other hand, I'm like, well, but I need to run. I mean, yeah. I, I was like, what do I, what do I need to do? Um, on a whim, I called, um. I texted a friend of mine who's a PT in the area who I had come and talked to some of our groups previously. And I just said, any chance that you can actually uh, overcome compartment syndrome without surgery? And in came your next angel, Trish. Trisha, yeah. Uh, Trisha Mack was, um, uh, was not just a physical godsend, but she was a soul godsend. Um, because she... Uh, treated me um, on the most holistic level that I had mm -hmm. ever experienced. Um, and Trisha, Trisha looks at the entire body, inside and out, emotional, soul, all of it, and, um, as a PT. And, um, and she met me for coffee one day, and I explained to her what happened, and she said, we're going to fix you. So I had a motivation to get fixed. Because January 1, you and I, January, or December 31st, January 1, we were sitting there entering in the new year. And I remember because we have a picture of our feet in front of the fireplace. It was like this little moment. But I remember I was just scrolling through Instagram. And one of my favorite um, podcasters, somebody who's helped me from a distance, she didn't have any clue who I was, but just through her podcast, had, um, and helped me through so much, you know, uh, she's a therapist, stress management and just, mm -hmm. you know, life healing and that kind of stuff. And, um, she had posted something on her Instagram about an embodied running retreat in Africa. And I went, Oh, <laughs> <gasps> uh, uh, a running retreat. Right. That's like, that's calling my name. Um, and she was going on it. Yeah. So like these two parts of my world were coming together in this one thing. And so I just, on a whim, I Instagrammed her in your direct message her. And, um, and I thought as a coordinator of programs for the group, the fleet feet stores in the Pacific Northwest, I thought, okay, this is really big. This is really huge. But I like the idea of, um, a different approach to running because I was starting to feel like my body wasn't responding in the traditional way. I didn't understand everything that I did later, but, um, so I, I messaged her and I said, any chance, you know, you guys might be interested in like a little micro, like a weekend one or something like that, or something a little closer to home. Cause this trip was like $6,800 and it was just like so far out there that right. I couldn't fathom it, but I loved the heart behind it, mm -hmm. that there might be another way for me to engage running in my healing process. So I had this kind of sitting there, 
Um, I emailed back and forth with her and Carly, who is the founder of the program, um, the Public Run Club, um, just to get information and to see if there was some connectivity to to access some of this, but also to to just bring it to our other runners because I knew my story wasn't odd. I had a lot of runners who had stories of trying to come to running and trying to be healthy right. and trying to care for their bodies and having hurdles. So when I met Trisha, I said, you know, I, I want to be able to run because there's these things that I want to do. And um, I may or may not want to do triathlon again. I was already wavering on whether or not I saw that possible with this injury. But um, So here, here's what Trish helped you to see. And um, she helped you to see that um, while you're... While you were asleep during the surgery, your body was no. present. Yeah. And your muscles um, literally hold. Well, not quite. Um, I'm going to cor- correct you a little bit on that. Um, one of the things that was happening, um, fascia is this fascinating organ in the body that literally runs from the top of your, like your forehead mm-hmm all the way down to your toes. So we, most people know fascia in terms of plantar fasciitis, um, injuries in the foot Mm -hmm. um, or the calf. So um, that tends to be when we actually start to pay attention to fascia. But fascia is this one long band. um, That connects everything. That connects everything. It literally holds all the muscle in its place and um, but the unique part about fascia, and Trisha does a much better job of explaining this, but but in simple terms, fascia um, fascia doesn't stretch um, at the capacity or the rate, or it doesn't stretch at the same rate as muscles. So if you were to just go start working out, your muscles develop, they get bigger, but your fascia hasn't been worked in that process, then it stays really tight and rigid, thus compartment syndrome, Right. Um, or other types of injuries. For me, it was compartment syndrome. Um, so we needed to um, get the fascia and the muscle to um, expand at the same rate, to stretch and grow at the same rate. The problem is that fascia has this ability to hold trauma in the body. Right. Um, so the muscle kind of, it, it, it just grows or not uh, grows. Yeah. Like it, it has its own thing. But the fascia actually kind of, um, I, I think of it like a, a, it kind of protects the body. If the body's not ready to do something, it holds back. It, it, it keeps everything where it's supposed to be. Well, um, Trisha said, we've got to get your fascia to release. We've got to get it to relax and to stretch and to start um, having its elasticity back after the trauma of surgery. Um, your body has literally just had gone through these major traumas. We need to get it relaxed. So she had me go see um, uh, a massage therapist that was actually a, um, that understood the same line of thinking that Trisha was on. That between the two of them, they said that although my body or my brain was asleep during the surgery, and I don't remember any of it, my fascia was not. Um, and the portion of my head that they cut into um, they removed that fascia. All that fascia got cut. So my fascia felt all the trauma of the experience. 
and it was resonating through my entire body. And my phys my uh, massage therapist one day was trying to work out an area um, in my thigh that was not releasing. And he finally just stopped and he looked at me and he said, you have got to have a conversation with your body. You have got to tell it it's safe. It's okay. He says, because I can't get this to release without you doing that. And it was just like, <sighs> What we realized in that time is that we had started this journey two years prior. Mm -hmm. And where we, there was a discovery of a tumor. And then you had gone in for a nasal decompression. Yeah. And then you went right back to everything. And we just carried on with life. Yeah. And then things progressed. And the next year, said it's time to remove the tumor. And we took a, we took a tumor out. And you took two weeks off of work. And then we just went right back into life as normal. Pedal to the metal. And then we started, we got this this other, you know, thing of your pulsating eye. And so you go in for another craniotomy. Mm -hmm. And you come out of that. And we just go right back into our life again. Pedal the metal, full throttle. We're yeah. pushing ahead. And then you have this fascia issue that your body is stopping. And what we, what we realized in that time is that every step along the way, your body was screaming at you to just pay attention to me. Take care of me. And we didn't stop to take care of you. We just kept going, 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 because this is what we do. And we just, and, and, and so your body would, would scream at you and stop you dead in your tracks. And then we would fix that thing and then boom, right back into it yeah. again. And then your body would scream at you and stop you in your tracks and boom. Right on the next thing, right on the next thing, until finally you're sitting there with this massage therapist and he's telling you, you have to have a conversation with your body. Your, your body is screaming at you and you're not listening to it. And so your body is responding in traumatic, uh, protective kind of ways. Yeah. And, and it was about this time that both of us started paying attention to this. And both of us in this time started, started saying, we have to change how we look at life. Mm -hmm. Not just how we do life. Yeah. We have to change from the most basic fundamental levels. Yeah. Because what we're doing has just, and, and we started going all the way back, mm -hmm. all the way back, and looking at these series of traumas that had had been introduced into our lives, or that we had introduced into our lives, there was some of that too, because of the constant breakneck speed, and this, and this thing within us that we have to go, go, go. And it, survive I, and overcome. Survive and overcome. Survive and overcome. Go. We have to stay ahead of the wolf pack, right? If we, if we're not, if we're not pushing forward, then there, you know, life is just nipping at our heels, mm -hmm. right? And it's gonna, it's gonna take us down. Mm 
and we were and we were in this place now where you had you had multiple people that were caring for you more than we were caring for you more than i was caring for you i don't i don't think we knew what caring for me was i i think this was the this was the learning curve um this was what launched 2019 in a whole new direction because we had to say well, our way of doing things isn't working so we gotta we gotta figure this out and make some decisions based on you know a different a different way through this um and we, but the one thing we were acknowledging is that trauma was real. Um, trauma from physical, emotional, spiritual, yeah. um, relational, all of those things were very real. And they were very present in this particular uh, moment in time. And we had to decide how we were going to move forward from that point. okay if we don't press ourselves in that direction or if we don't you know whatever else that it might have been it's it's okay it's okay if we just rest This is very much your story, but where it intersects in the, I mean, where it's, where it's very, where it's our story and where it's my story and where our two stories become one, is it what I was realizing as though I hadn't had the same kinds of, you know, I didn't have craniotomies, I didn't have, you, know, you remind me of that often, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, well, I hadn't had the same kind of physical trauma like that, that we had both experienced a lifetime of other traumas mm -hmm. due to our um our need to just keep driving forward that mm -hmm. way and so so there was there was much that i was coming to grips with at the same mm -hmm. time so we were very much on this journey together and like i i say to you at times you know we have different specific circumstances around that but we but we're in the same place mm -hmm. right and we were in the same place in this and um and so we're going we began to go through this together where we just started shutting things down. We started stopping things. We st we walked away from things. Mm -hmm. We, you know, so that we could pay attention to our bodies, so that we could pay attention to our, to our minds, to our souls, mm -hmm. what our spirits needed. I mean, all of it, the entire yeah. picture of everything. 
I think the thing that the, my the massage therapist and Trisha were communicating to me was that you've got to stop dissecting yourself. Yeah. You're a whole being, and you keep trying to parse yourself out. Compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't working for us anymore. And it wasn't working. So, something had to change. Yeah. And so I look at us now, and, you know, I just said this to you earlier, and it's like, you know, neither one of us is in very good physical shape right now. <laughs> we're not, um, you know, we're not doing, we're not competitively running anywhere. We're not, you know, doing mm-hmm. that kind of thing. There's, a, you know, there's things like that where we, you know, we, we struggle with it. We're just being really honest, right? We both struggle with this, mm-hmm. you know, in and of ourselves. Um, and, you know, I said to you earlier, I said, you know, we're not in, hey, yeah, we're not in great shape. It's the space we're in right now. And then I said, or are we, mm-hmm. you know, um, because we're in a different kind of shape right now. We're in a shape where we actually listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are things that certainly we will introduce back in. And there, I mean, there's, there's all that, there's yeah. all that conversation, yeah. but we're starting from a, a foundational, we're redoing the foundation again. And I think that's, I think if we if we want people to hear anything from us, it's that that it's okay to listen to your body. It's okay mm-hmm. to listen to your soul, mm-hmm. right? The the center of your being and to just stop and to just take care of yourself. That it's not selfish. Mm-hmm. It's not um it, it's that. It's not selfish. It's actually, it's actually good. It's actually really good. Um, and so we, you know, we come to the other side of this chapter, you know, and you're tumor free. Your eye sees wonderfully. You have other, you know, effects that are mm-hmm. going to be long term kinds right. of effects from this. But my God, we are, we are in a good place. I mean, I really believe that we're in a good place. Um, and I, I, that's part of the reason why we're sitting here doing this right now is because we're like, we, we're in this place where, um, where we see life differently right now. Mm-hmm. I keep coming back to this, this thought mantra quote, I'm not sure where it exists, but you can't unsee what you've seen now. Yeah. You know? And so now we have to operate in what we see and I can't go back and try and, um, walk out life the way that I did before and compartmentalize everything from circumstances to body parts or to existences of myself. Um, and, this was a lot uh, of a trigger to not just paying attention to my physical body, but but to actually start listening to the soul issues. Um, so you start dissecting one, dissecting. You start to heal one aspect of yourself. You have, if you're going to be holistic in that approach, if you're going to heal your entire being, then you have to delve into all yeah. of those areas. Yeah. 
which became the year of Jess. Yeah, it's actually time to talk about that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but uh, once again, my glass is empty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this has been good, and it's and I know this has been very emotional for both of us. Yeah. Um, and you know, going through and and talking through all of the the things that kind of paved this way, um, but that you know you you seeing that Africa trip there like sparked something in you mm -hmm. and and it set us on a it set us on a, a journey together mm -hmm. um that uh that i think understanding all of this really helps to understand how we got there mm -hmm. um but that's yeah. a, that's a conversation yeah, all the, to itself the year of just makes no sense without understanding what um the catalyst was yeah because there's always a catalyst oh yeah always a beautiful catalyst. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So right on. Well, I'm I am loving that we're doing this more than I ever thought I would. Um and and again, I think it's I think we're having conversations that um that know. our audience of two people is loving. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> but it's conversations that like that you and I have conversations all the time. These are very deliberate conversations that were like, God, why haven't we had these before? But you know what? Great. Well, it was actually interesting because today um, we launched the second second episode. Yeah. The second episode, and um, our oldest daughter listened to it, and she said, "I just didn't know all of no these idea. things yeah. that you guys were, you know, contemplating and going through." And she says, "It's probably better that I didn't at the time, but." Yeah. Um, so it's been, I think it's been good for yeah. um, for her to hear our story yeah. too. Agreed. So. Okay, well let's call it then. Let's call it for this one. Let's go get another. Here's a little <coughs> clink of the glass there. And uh, we'll come back and, and okay. uh, do the next episode. Okay.